this is Jackson Peterson, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Humboldt, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick, along with Randy Conan in studio. We'll have reports from Whitney Pittman and Tyler Donaldson. A band of snow can be seen this morning coming out of Saskatchewan and extending through the central portions of the Dakotas. The system is moving east, and the National Weather Service says it, says it should be in the Red River Valley this afternoon. Snowfall amounts of a trace to up in an inch are possible, the best chances along and north of Highway 2. There's also a decent chance of snow between Highway 212 and the South Dakota-Nebraska border tomorrow. That system has the potential for up to two inches of new snow. After eight days in the crop insurance spring pricing window, corn prices are averaging 474 per bushel. That's down 20% year over year. Soybeans are averaging $11.73 a bushel. That's down 15% year over year. The average spring wheat price is 703 per bushel, down 21% year over year. 40% of the pricing period is now complete. The USDA Ag Outlook Forum begins Thursday in Arlington, Virginia. The forum will provide the first look at the expectations for the 2024 crop. Most analysts expect corn acres to decline and soybean acres to increase. This is the 100th USDA Ag Outlook Forum, and the Red River Farm Network will be on site reporting the latest market forecasts and industry trends. Grain traders are positioning ahead of the USDA Ag Outlook Forum. Ag Resource Company President Dan Bossi is expecting a bearish reaction to those USDA numbers. You know, large end stocks on corn probably in the 2.4 to 2.7 billion bushels. Soybean end stocks will be probably 350 to 400. So above this year, and many traders are talking about the bearishness, at least from that report, uh, whether it comes out on Thursday or Friday will be the key. But uh, the forum is not going to be bullish, per se, with farm income projected to drop uh, roughly, you know, 30-some billion dollars. Traders will also be watching to see what USDA does with acreage. You know, corn and soybean acreage numbers, and we can kind of model them out to what comes out at the end of March, but that'll be the key numbers that people will look to. But if you apply trendline yields, uh, we are going to end up with more stocks, and I think that's uh, that's got the, the, the mindset of the trader here in Chicago, at least nearby. Advanced trading commodity research analyst Brian Basting expects the grains to drift through this month of February. Kind of typical February trading, if you will. Uh, we're, we're into the uh, the heart of the uh, uh, uncertainty about the acreage mix here in the U.S. Um, general consensus is we're going to plant more beans and fewer corn acres here in 23, or beg your pardon, 24. Um, but February is kind of like that. Other than that, if we're looking at um, looking at South American crops, South American production will be different from last year. Uh, Argentina, I remind your listeners, had a drought last year. Half a cro- soybean crop last year. Looks like it's going to be back to normal, pretty close this year. So that's changed. Uh, but um, otherwise, February can be that way. Um, there's always surprises. Uh, uh, a bad surprise, if you will, happened two years ago. Of course, as your listeners know, when Russia invaded Ukraine. So there's always surprises out there, but uh, for the most part, we're kind of um, into winter doldrums, if you will. Climate smart fuels are a continued conversation for various companies and commodity groups. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. CHS Vice President of Refined Fuels Jason Schwantz says low-carbon fuels are impacting fuel markets. 
the transition may be slower than we anticipated. More and more states are looking at LCFSs. I think it's moving a little slower than people thought, um, especially the renewable diesel. There are people making it, uh, but it is strictly going out to the states that have the low carbon fuel standards. Uh, that's one of the only ways that you can make it financially work is to have those standards. E15 has pulled away from the pack. I think E85, though, is one, uh, if you look at, or excuse me, E15. E15 is a product that is making some progress. Uh, and at CHS, we offered it at over 30 terminals. Uh, I think that is good for our corn growers out there. But I think if you look at it, the renewable fuels sector is a growing sector. It's going to take time, though. I think SAF if you look at it, it would be sustainable aviation fuel. That is something people talk about and I think is going to be viable, but it's going to take some time to develop it out and see where the prices shake out. Reporting Agriculture's Business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Working with a conservation consultant can help farmers develop a plan and navigate options for programs to address water quality concerns. It can be kind of overwhelming to sort through all the different things that are out there. Uh, so we'll be talking about all the different avenues, not just government, but there's a lot of other avenues that people can utilize to kind of find someone to help guide them through the process of selecting the best way to go. Minnesota Department of Agriculture Area Certification Specialist Will Beaumier will present at the 2024 Nitrogen Conference today in St. Cloud. He'll also highlight several options for funding assistance to make water quality management changes. The soil and water districts have a lot of things coming out that really um, allow for more flexibility and more outside of the box thinking. If you can demonstrate that it has a water quality, uh, a positive water quality impact, um, that also most of the time these practices are financially and economically um, valuable as well because they um, not only keep that, that nitrogen from running off into the landscape and into the groundwater, but uh, that nitrogen we can keep on the land and keep in the crop and hopefully uh, put in a bin at the end of the year. Cargo ship carrying Brazilian corn suffered missile damage while on the Red Sea Monday. That's the first time the Houthi rebels targeted a ship that was going to Iran. The ship only had some minor damage. Insurance premiums are going up for ships moving through the Red Sea. Major shipping publication and insurance rates are up as uh, says as, uh, insurance rates are up as much as 50 percent since these attacks began last fall. Cargo traffic is returning to normal on the U.S.-Mexican border after being slowed down the past few days due to a computer software issue. A Mexican border official estimated the backlog of trucks caused as much as $23 million in lost revenue. Farm protests have been happening in recent weeks throughout uh, the uh, due to the concerns about high input costs and stringent environmental policies in the European Union. A march is planned today in New Delhi, India, with farmers demanding higher crop prices and loan forgiveness. The Indian government has responded, placing cement blocks and metal spikes on major roads to stop that demonstration. A portion of the Massachusetts Question 3 has been ruled unconstitutional. The ballot question was approved by Massachusetts voters in 2016, which banned the sale of pork, eggs, and veal from animals raised in confinement. 
A federal judge in Boston ruled the portion of the law that bans the sale of pork is unconstitutional. However, the other parts of the law will remain in effect. The lawsuit was filed by the Triumph Foods Pork Processing Company, along with a handful of swine operations. That group includes Christensen Farms, headquartered in Sleepy Eye, Minnesota, and New Fashion Pork, based in Jackson, Minnesota. In the University of Minnesota Extension's Crop Strategic Farming Webinar, University of Minnesota Southern Research and Outreach uh, uh, Extension Educator Tom Hoverstad says controlling volunteer corn and soybeans has become a bit tricky. Over the years, we've had a lot of people uh, plan a weed control system for soybeans, and then the last thing they say is, I'm going to throw in a corn killer. And that's been fairly successful, uh, not always, but it's not been as bad as it has now when we have the growth regulators for use in soybeans. Making one extra pass can increase effectiveness. Just splitting out the mixture of Assure, not applying it as a tank mixture, you can save a lot of money. And most people that I tell that do their own spraying, I think that's a certainly a good way to maximize the use of those products. The Minnesota Livestock Breeders Association has announced the four latest inductees into the Minnesota Livestock Hall of Fame. Norb and Judy Sonic of Forreston are being honored for their contributions made to the Holstein dairy business. Retired state veterinarian Dr. Bill Hartman, who led the Board of Animal Health from 2001 to 2016, will be honored. And the final Hall of Fame honoree is Doris Mould, who served as superintendent of the milking parlor at the Minnesota State Fair since 1986 and helped create the State Fair Moo Booth. The induction ceremony will be held March 14th in Roseville. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Part of Malika Ebert's work as an NDSU dry bean and pulse crop pathologist is her annual crop disease survey. These surveys can provide valuable data that Ebert can use in lab environments to get a better understanding about diseases. For more information, go to the we go to Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster, Tyler Donaldson. The goal of such surveys conducted by NDSU researchers is to identify diseases in plants and crops. And for Malika, one disease is far more common in the soybean fields around the Red River Valley. Root rot, uh, we find a lot. Also, years before, root rot is always very, very high because we have uh, fusarium. And also the bacterial diseases were something we found quite commonly in the field. The Good news is that there's no, we did not find any anthracnose, and we also did not find any rust in the field. So that is good. And because we have so much root rot in the fields, the research we do in our lab has a lot to do with root rot, with fusarium root rot to be specific, because fusarium is the most dominant species in the root rot complex. Ebert says that there are many different types of fusaria root rot, and that determining which type is affecting a producer's crop can require a much different response. What we do is when we sample, we not only say, oh, this is fusarium root rot, we specifically look into what kind of fusarium is it, um, because that helps us to work on um, getting tolerance uh, plant lines in collaboration with our breeders, right? So we're working on, on, on that. And just by us knowing which of the species we have most commonly in there, that determines then for uh, the driving breeder what 
genes are important or conferring resistance to those specific uh, species. In general, a lot of things you can do with uh, seed treatment. So um, there is a lot of common or, or treatments that affect all of the fusaria, but when it comes to infection, fusarium is quite diverse in how they do things. This is also why it's important to know, take a little bit of a closer look into how do those fusaria actually look like? What are those weapons that they use to infect the plants? And that is what we're doing in our lab here. That was NDSU dry bean and pulse crop pathologist Malika Ebert. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Tyler Donaldson. Checking markets as we speak. We're looking at March Minneapolis wheat down five and a half at six seventy-seven. Chicago wheat for March down a penny. Hard red winter wheat March down two and a quarter. Doing a, a bit better in the corn market. March one and a quarter higher at four thirty-one and three quarters. The July contract one and a quarter higher. Soybeans are mixed right now. A half cent gain for March eleven uh, ninety-three and a half. The May contract down by a half penny. Checking in on the farm calendar, the North Dakota Farmers Union is hosting its Evolution Ag Summit. It's going to be held on the uh, 20th next Tuesday, a week from today. That's a one-day event focused on soil carbon management and the incentives out there for farmers and ranchers to implement these carbon reduction practices. Uh, One of their speakers will be uh, the shark farmer, Rob Sharkey, very uh, active in social media. Again, that's going on in Jamestown. Next week will be the International Crop Expo. Boy, this winter's going fast. That's going to be held in Grand Forks. Uh, They'll have uh, sessions going on on the uh, 21st and 22nd, Wednesday, Thursday. This is the Red River Farm Network.